1: Hello, this is Dr. Joe Beam, and welcome to Marriage Help Live. This is a program where I talk with you, and we'd love to speak with you. If you want to call and talk with me, please call 657 383 For those of you who are outside of the United States of America, understand that that is in the USA, and I believe the area, our country code, is 1. or well, maybe it's zero one. I don't know that I've ever called here from when I've been around <laughs> other parts of the world. And so if you dial at one or zero one, if you're in New Zealand, or Australia or China, whatever it might be, then the number is six, five, seven, three, eight, three, zero, eight, one, two. I'm doing this program from my home office because we're still working out of that rather than our regular studio because of the COVID-19. And therefore, we not we don't have the ability here to do the video like we used to there. But our producer, Jesse, is still out there doing his work from his home. And Cassie, our call screener, is still doing her work from her home. By the way, they both have much, much more important jobs with Marriage Helper than just being producer of this program and screening calls. They have extremely responsible positions, but they volunteer to help out with this. And so if you get in that call, if you get in that line by dialing 657 0812 i should say you'll hear an answer and if you wish to speak to me please press the number 1 and when you do that it puts you in the queue that you can have your call screened so that we can visit with each other if you don't press that number 1 you can hear everything that's going on but I will not be able to, I will not be able to talk to you By the way, I don't know how many of you guys are going through this this time of year. (laughs) Here in the middle of May, I am suffering from extreme allergies, which is not fun ever at any time, but particularly not when you have to think, oh, my goodness, did I get that virus somehow? (laughs) I'm sure I have, but I've been quarantined for weeks now. But this is a program about relationships. Let me tell you what I'm going to be doing this weekend, and then we'll start taking the calls. This will be the fifth time in six weeks then I have done a weekend uh, online workshop with people who want to work on their marriages because they're having some kind of a difficulty or problem. We have done those in person for 21 years with remarkable success. And now that we're doing them online, we're actually doing more than we were doing with the in-person workshops because more people from more parts of the world can participate because they don't have to fly to Middle Tennessee and rent a hotel room and buy those uh, restaurant meals and all that kind of thing. And so we're doing them online. And one this weekend is already full, I understand. It, it, well, I'm not quite clear. It's either full or might be able to take one more couple. And that will be in this weekend's workshop. It starts 8 a.m. Central Time in the USA Friday morning and goes to 6 p.m. that same day. We do take an hour for lunch, and we do take some breaks during the day. And then the next day, Saturday, we have the same schedule, starting again at 8 a.m. Central Time and going to 6 p.m. Central Time, again, with an hour for lunch and some breaks during the day. And then on Sunday, we go from 1 p.m. Central Time until 7 p.m. And if you're thinking, why didn't you start early on Sunday morning? It's because there are a gazillion churches out there who are broadcasting their services and tying up tons and tons of bandwidth on Sunday morning. So we start with the Sunday afternoon. And if you would like to have help for your marriage, what we're finding is this. We're having just as much success. It's working out just as well to do the online version as the in-person version. Now, I'll have to admit, I've made this confession before, I'll make it again. I've told our CEO, Kimberly Holmes, for a long, long time when she said, we need to try the online version, and I kept saying there's no way it would work and fought vehemently against it. Well, the pandemic made us try it. Lo and behold, it's just as effective as the in-person workshop. So I've eaten my crow, and we now are doing this, like I said, much, much more often even than the one we do for uh, in person. Now the one this weekend is for couples. The one next weekend, there's something else that we've been able to do by doing the online version. And that's this: we can do a solo spouse workshop and our in-person workshops. We never did that. If your spouse would not come with you to the workshop, then we were not uh, able to let you come. And there are lots and lots of reasons for that. I don't even need to go into there, into those reasons, but those reasons are valid and they still stand. But those reasons actually evaporate if you're doing it online. And so that's what we're doing, and we've already had one online workshop for solo spouses, and it was absolutely awesome. I mean, it worked out so well, helping those folks and those folks, I should say, and the reviews they made have been absolutely. Amazing about how much it did for them, how much they recommended to other people. So this weekend, starting Friday, this weekend, we do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the workshop for couples. The next weekend, with the same schedule, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but aimed totally at the one spouse who is wanting to make the marriage work, and the other spouse will not attend and be there. And uh, like I said, amazing results from that. So if you guys would like to be part of either one of those, you can call our office at 615-472-1161. No, I'm not sure how that works from other countries, but I guess it would be the one. And then 615 472 1161. And I'm sure I'll get a text here in just a moment or a toll free number, and I can give that to you as well. Or you can actually go to Marriage Helper, that's com, and contact us through there if you'd like information on either of these two that are coming up right now or the ones that will be coming up really very soon. Okay. And uh, let's see. I think that toll-free number, if you want to try it, is, and again, I don't know how that works from other countries, but eight six six nine zero three zero nine nine zero. That's eight six six nine zero three zero nine nine zero. And I think if you put the one in front of that, it probably does work from other countries. And thank you, Jesse, our producer, for making sure on that information. (laughs) I appreciate that very much. Okay, now it's time to go to a couple of calls here, if we may. We're going to start in the great state of North Carolina, right here in the United States of America. And we're going to speak to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. How are you today?
2: Hey, Joe. How are you doing?
1: I am rocking and bopping, my friend.
2: Uh, Well, my wife left me two months ago. Mm-hmm. um She said that she'd wanted to leave me for about two years now, and we had some things that happened. About well, just real quick, our house flooded back about eighteen, nineteen months ago, and during one of the hurricanes. And when that happened, our kids were having a little bit of problems. So she told me. She said the reason she waited was because. She didn't, the kids were having problems and it wasn't a good time for her to leave is why she told me she left or waited until just recently. Um, so we've been, we are still not back in her house. We've been living in a camper for the last 20 months, but, uh, she's told me two days after she left that she wanted to work on it. She actually sent me a text message after I'd asked her a little bit. She said that, um, She's willing to put in the hard work to fix this, if I am. And her text message read, I know you are. I believe you when you say that. But it's been, I mean, it's two months later, and we're seeing separate counselors. She won't do marriage counseling. We're seeing separate counselors. She says that she's got to fix herself to make herself a stronger person before she can come back into marriage.
1: And we hear that a lot. So, Kevin, why doesn't she want to be with you?
2: Well, I mean, the problem was, I mean, one of the biggest problems we were having was when we would have problems, we wouldn't talk about them. There was no communication there. Hardly, I mean, at, I mean, we would go for a few days or maybe a week and barely speak to each other. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, we've been yeah. there for 15 years.
1: Okay, that's not a, that's not a good thing, obviously. But why now? Why does she Why does she not want to be with you now? Why did she move away?
2: Basically, she said that this it all built up over time, and she finally finally decided to leave. I mean, she's been wanting to leave for two years, she's, or at least two years.
1: Well, but so, have you been hearing about it for two years, or did she tell you that when she was leaving, that for two years? In other words, did you know either. that? Did she ever say that to you in those two years?
2: No, no. She, okay. she did anything to me. As so to what, what was the left. final
1: straw, Kevin? I mean, obviously, even if things built up, and I get that, people who don't deal with the issues, things will build up. So I'm not by that. But what was the final straw that wrote the camel's back? What what happened, my friend, that that led to the break
2: I don't know. I have no idea.
1: So as far as you know, is, has anything in her life otherwise changed like the death of a parent or the loss of a job or some good friend, anything like that, any significant change in her life recently in the last six months or so?
2: No, I mean, not that I know of. I mean, there's been no death. Been, I mean, we've been living in that camper. Um, the only thing that's happened in January, in January, she gra- she uh, graduated with her second master's degree. And that's the uh-huh. only thing that's really happened.
1: Okay. Did she get a new job offer or a new profession or an increase in some uh, fashion not, when she got not, the degree?
2: No, no, not yet. She's actually, she, I mean, that's one of the things that's been bothering her is the fact that with hmm. the way a school counselor and she just finished her degree to be a, to be a uh, principal, mm-hmm. so she and the way that right now she's not sure that no, that she will get an offer for a job. Yeah,
1: you know, but as far have changed as quite a bit.
2: About,
1: So how upset was she about that, my friend?
2: Uh, she's pretty. I mean, she. I mean, I, she's pretty upset about the fact that she finished her degree and she doesn't know if mm-hmm. she's even going to be able to get gotcha. a job in that. I if I you may say. ask,
1: if, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Let me ask Kevin if I may. How how old is she?
2: She is forty one. Forty one.
1: Okay. You may have heard of this thing, Kevin, called midlife crisis. I don't. I don't right. buy into it. I don't think there is any such thing as midlife crisis. But let me explain what people typically are talking about. And the reason I'll buy into it being a midlife crisis is because it can happen at 22, 42, 82. I mean, it can happen any time, and it can happen several times. But basically what people refer to when they refer to this thing called a midlife crisis is when a person has had a certain expectation, a certain dream, and, and all of a sudden it falls apart. Or maybe not even all of a sudden. It may gradually fall apart, but it gets to the point where it's like this thing that I wanted, this thing that I expected to happen isn't. And often then they go into kind of a mourning, a grief period, if you will. Now, if indeed you guys have had some difficulties in the sense that you've avoided issues and, and I admit that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, statistically speaking, if you look at the research avoiding the issues actually increases the likelihood that you'll sometime or at some point divorce, but you understand that because things build up. I'm guessing that Kevin, I don't know her. And so it's just my guess, but I'm guessing that the final straw, would be, okay, I made all these preparations, I made all this growth, I was ready for this better position. It also carries some prestige, all those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden this pandemic comes along and life falls apart. And my guess is my friend, that you are reaping part of that morning that I'm sure you're not perfect because I've never met a perfect man yet. So I'm sure you're not. Not I'm sorry. What's that, my friend?
2: that I'm not even close to perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for your humility. Unfortunately, I talk to some people who believe that they are perfect, but thank you for your humility about that. So uh, do you have a, okay, I think I understand the situation. I think I've got a grasp on it. So is there a specific question you're asking?
2: Well, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how to talk to her. I mean, she's like, when, when, but the only thing she wants to talk about is the kids. She will talk to me about the kids, but that's it. I mean, even when I mm-hmm. go, she's at her mom's. When I go to her mom's to pick up my kids, she stays mm-hmm. in the bedroom, won't come out. Or yeah. when I'm dropping them off, when she, was, she won't come in or out of the bedroom. I mean, she was bringing up so problems. You're, or,
1: but you're telling Kevin, that you've not, you have never abused her physically, emotionally, mentally. You've not done that, or, right? No. Okay.
2: No, actually, when, when left she told me that she was scared to talk to me and i found out later that what she meant by that was she was scared that i would that if she told me what was wrong that i was going to tell her to pack up and get out But she huh? i mean and cuz I, I even asked her i was like are you scared that i was going to hit she's like no 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 she said you've never offered to do that and you never would and she ordered so me afraid? That, uh, what does she fear else? that
1: you'll find out my friend any idea
2: I don't have a clue.
1: Okay, I mean, but as geez, far as you, you know, to, as far as you know, there's nobody else. You told me that already, right?
2: Yes, there's no. I mean, and I believe her when she told me that.
1: Okay, all right. Well, you know, only you can decide that. I certainly can't. So here's my recommendation, my friend. And unfortunately, I've got to go on to some other callers here. But that's this. But, do you have Do you have a copy of our Smart Contact Toolkit by any chance?
2: I I have already I've purchased the Smart Contact Cool Toolkit. I've purchased the Marriage Helper.
1: Okay. Toolkit. Have you been through the Smart Marriage uh, Toolkit? Have you listened to it yet?
2: Yes. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've gone. I've, I've listened. Listen to the Smart. Yes.
1: Good. Then I'm recommending that you do that. And here's a couple of suggestions, my friend. If you, if you can do it, number one is, and I realize what I'm about to say sounds impossible. So forgive me for that. But try. If you can, not to take it personally. Now, see, Kevin, I can only go by what you told me, but you told me you have not abused her physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Good. Good. I'm glad you haven't. You've also admitted you're not perfect, but, hey, I think that just proves you're a good guy. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm still guessing that it has to do with the fact that she's going through what people refer to as a midlife crisis in the sense that she had a certain expectation. She thought something was going to happen and it did not. And so she really is looking, you know, she said, I'm out trying to find myself. My guess is she really is. She's trying to reevaluate. Now, the downside to that is that sometimes when people are doing reevaluation, particularly if they have a counselor or therapist who is anti-marriage or anti in this case, anti-men, and I'm not saying her counselor is, I know nothing about her counselor, but if they have a counselor who is like that, then they can actually make things a whole lot worse. So I hope she's got one that's a lot more reasonable. Really good counselors are worth their weight in gold. The others, oh my goodness. And so if it were I, I'd go back and listen to the smart contact thing again, because that's going to guide you. And right now don't push. If she really is trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do? What what is my life going to be like? Then she's very likely negatively assessing everything from her life before now. Well, unfortunately, you're part of that. And so she's probably negatively assessing you. I would love to know what it was that she's so afraid that you'd find out that you'd tell her that she has to leave. Now, if you're convinced it's not another person, that's a good thing if you're convinced it's not something else that she's after, like some kind of a lifestyle that she wants to live, that she can't live as she's married, that's a different thing. Or if it's just the fact that she has, because she now has finished two degrees, it could be something even as, uh, now that she might even think that maybe she's a little bit above you because you don't have two master's degrees. Now I'm not saying that's the case. Don't misunderstand. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you what she's thinking. I'm just telling you my friend, Kevin, Is there, there are so many possibilities out there and you'll drive yourself crazy if you try to figure out which one it is. And so what do you do? You're there. You'll be the best you that you can be. You work on the pies. Like we talk about, you said you're in the smart uh, marriage course, do that or save my marriage course. I should say save my marriage course, do what those things say and don't be impatient. Well, (laughs) even as I say that, I think, boy, that sounds so stupid, but it's the really truth there, my friend that you have to be as patient as you can. If she's working through things good to continue to be a great dad to your children. When you go see her at her mom's place, be super, super nice to mom. And if she talks to you about the kids or otherwise, don't push for anything beyond that. Just let those conversations happen. And what you're hoping for here is that over time, over time, she'll begin to see you in a different light and probably and hopefully see herself in a different light, because my guess is that's what's going on here. My friend, I hope you have great wisdom. I'm going to go over here now to Australia, one of my favorite countries. Actually, my favorite country. Well, let's see. My top three would be the USA, unloyal to my nation, and Australia and Canada. I just love those three countries all together. And so now we're going to talk to Leanne over in Australia. Hi, Leanne. How are you?
3: Oh, hi, Dr. Bean. How are you?
1: I'm doing extremely well. Love that Australian accent. So, what time of day is it where you are?
3: Uh, it is uh, ten to four in the morning over here.
1: So you're up pretty early, my friend.
3: Oh, any anything to uh, be able to have a chat with you and try and help me <laughs> solve with problem.
1: <laughs> well, be careful. You're going to make me feel like I'm special. Right, so, how may I help you, Leanne? What can I do for you today?
3: Um, Oh yes, um, Dr. Beam. I have a question. How um, how can I show um, or help my spouse sort of deal with their that their, their fear or guilt? Um, we've been together for six years, um, married for four. This coming Monday, we have a three-year-old son. Um, I found out about his affair in September of 2019. Um, he moved out in November of 2019 uh, into a rental. Um, his affair partner is a co-worker. So I started Marriage Helper probably in the beginning of December, um, implemented all of your smart contact and your pies, and in brief conversations over time, um, he's mentioned his job kind of cost us our marriage. Um, I have said to him that I do forgive him for what he's done. Um, You know, I just Mm -hmm. wish that we could work through things. I accept the reality of what's happening. Um, And he has said that he can't, see himself forgiving himself for what's happened, um, he's also, um, you know, said on more than one occasion that he felt like his job kind of cost us our marriage. Um, he also, in the past weekend, we had to talk about financial things, and and he kind of softened a little bit, and he said that um, he doesn't know how he could face um, family. So he was very very close with my younger brother. Um, Mm -hmm. And once my younger brother left the company my husband and him worked for, um, this is kind of when things really started to shift and I started to notice a change in him. Um, And so he he said he doesn't know how he could, you know, I guess face family, meaning my younger brother and my family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have said to him that, you know, it doesn't matter about what everybody else thinks it's more how him and I as a family with our son are going to face things and work through things Mm -hmm. Um, but he did say like you know what he did he couldn't forgive himself for he doesn't view me as a bad person um, but he did say he did feel like he could never make me happy so I'm trying to see how I could try and be a little bit more I guess supportive of him to mm-hmm. kind of show him that it is okay to not be fearful of what other people think and that I am here, like I have, I have been, I haven't said that I'm here for him always. Um, but mm-hmm. I have said to him that they do forgive him. My my parents, my family do forgive him for what he's done and they mm-hmm. want to, us to work it out, including his family. But I don't know how I can be a bit more supportive of that fear or that guilt okay. or at least show right. him that, yeah.
1: So let's talk about that for a minute or two. How long did his affair
3: last? Um he's still in the affair. he's still in his affair. So um he's still with the um affair partner that he works with. And my younger brother knows her as well and this Okay, so the when first he says
1: that uh, he feels all this guilt. In your assessment, and of course, you know you're having to guess, here, Leanne. But you're uh, Leanne. But in your assessment, does he really feel guilty, or is this something he's saying as an excuse to continue what he's doing?
3: No, he he does feel bad. Um, in a conversation Good. I've had with my sister-in-law, he's he said that you know he can't, he doesn't, he knows what he's done is wrong, and he knows he's hurt me. Um, okay. And also, he's still
1: involved with her. Do you know to what degree he's involved with her?
3: Um, sexually. So they are still together, um, living together, know, I believe. Do you
1: know if he has a strong emotional connection with her? Does he think he's in love with her or has he said?
3: He has not said that at all. Um, okay. in, in the, in the time he's been apart, never brought her up, never like. Okay. In, in so in your estimation,
1: does he have a strong emotional connection with her or is this primarily sexual? I realize you can't really know, but what do you no. think?
3: I think it's more sexual. um and and the reason i'm sort of leaning towards that is that um i've had a conversation this weekend with my sister-in-law because he's had problems now with his job um to the point Mm -hmm. where he's going to have to find a new one and he was looking at going and working in the mines which means you're on an alternative roster and he had said to her that um, i'm not sure i could work on a roster like that because i would then have to go without sex so i'm kind of yeah. Okay,
1: because so that apparently is a big thing. And if I may ask, you interview said, forgive me, I don't remember how old is he.
3: Um. So he's thirty-five.
1: Okay, so he's relatively young. All right. So a couple of things here, if I may suggest. Uh, first of all, Ian, I'm very, very impressed with how calm you're remaining about this. Good for you. That's impressive about you. And it's pretty obvious that you still love this guy and that you believe this marriage is worth rescuing, even though he still has some kind of continuation with her. Uh, but a couple of things I want you to think about. First of all, I'm saying you're doing extremely well with several things, so please hear that. But but be careful that when you talk to him, you don't come across as telling him what he should or shouldn't feel. See what I heard you say, for example, and, and if I missed it, fine. Still, the point still valid. That you know that he. Um, should understand that they have forgiven him, that, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's close to telling a person you need to accept the fact that they've forgiven you. And once you start doing anything that kind of tells the other person what they should feel, what they should think, or what, should they, what they should believe, or even what they should do, when you come across that way, it can be really easy for the other person to start thinking, well, that's what you want me to be, and I'm not sure if I can be that or think that way or feel that way or believe that way, and therefore I don't feel completely accepted. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening here, Leanne. I'm just trying to give a general principle, and the general principle would be well, it's a good thing that you're reassuring. For example, I, I love the fact that you tell him, you know, I can forgive. I do forgive. I can accept you. And and then when it comes to talking about your family, though, be very careful there because until they say it to him, it's still – it could be a part of him wondering, well, is Leanne telling it like it really is, or is Leanne trying to make me feel better? And so therefore it can be advantageous just to be a little bit careful here and say, I know my family well and I know how forgiving they are. And 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 hopefully at some point you can see that from them. Rather than saying they'll forgive you, which now he's got to evaluate. And, and decide, yeah, wait, they will, no, they won't. Or I don't know if they will or won't. You don't give them a statement like that. The statement is just, I know my family, they're very forgiving. And I know that they still love you. And I look forward to the day when you can feel that relationship again. One of the things I heard you say that I thought was really strong was basically, I don't know if you phrase it just this way, but the message I heard was, even if they didn't, it's you, me, and, and your kids. and And I'm with you. And we can live no matter what they do. Now, there might be a way to say that that's a little less worrisome to him. <laughs> so that he's not thinking, oh, is she trying to tell me that they're not going to forgive me? And so maybe you find that a little different way to phrase that where you say something like, what really matters is this. No matter what anybody in this world ever thinks of you, I love you. And, I would, and I'm, I'm happy to forgive. Not happy. That's the wrong word. I'll forgive. And we can go on and have a good life together just phrase it just a little bit differently so that he's hearing the very clear message. And it's a good message. I'm glad you gave it to him, that you're on his side no matter what. That's good. Just be careful as you do that to not say the words in this. And this can be kind of a delicate thing. And don't, don't worry if you don't get it just right. Nobody ever gets it just right, but something to the effect of don't imply that whether my family forgives you or not, because then you start making worry about it. You say, I don't care what anybody on this planet thinks. I love you. And, and you're, I think you said you had a child. Um, our kid loves you. And we can forgive and move on. And we're happy to do that. And then be very, very patient. You see, when a person is doing something that leads them to feel guilty, that means they're doing something that's in contradiction to their belief and value system. Because if whatever they're doing is not contradicting their belief and value system, then they don't feel guilty. All right. The fact that he's feeling guilty says his belief in value system is that he should not be cheating on you. Okay. So take advantage of that. I'm not trying to make him feel guiltier. <laughs> That's not good. Take advantage of that in the sense of realizing that, that at some point if this guilt is strong enough for him, not because you're creating it, but because it's coming out of him, he's going to have to stop that relationship. He's going to have to stop that relationship. If he's ever going to get past this guilt or he's going to have to change his belief and value system to make that relationship. Okay. Now the fact that he's been involved with her for a while and apparently has not done that yet gives me hope. And so I'm giving you a 90 percentile grade here, kid. <laughs> I think Leanne you're doing amazing. Just a couple of little things that to be careful. Don't come across this telling him what to think or feel or do. Like you shouldn't feel guilty or you can get past this. Just let him know, Hey, I understand this hurts a lot, but I'm here for you. And I can, and I forgive you. That's the emphasis of what you want to do here. If he were a religious man, I don't know if, if uh, Amazon in Australia carries this book or not, but I wrote a book about guilt. Now, understand it's from a religious standpoint. So if he's not a religious man, he might not appreciate it. It's called Getting Past Guilt. And I know it's on some of the Amazons around the world. I'm just not sure if Amazon Australia has it. And here in the US, it's like $14. Um, so. $14 U.S. dollars. So you, if, if he is a religious man at all, you might want to buy that book. And then you read it first. And and uh, after you read it, if you think it's worthwhile and will have value to him, leave it around <laughs> so that at some point he sees it. And if he picks it up and starts reading it, that'll be good. But again, it is from a religious standpoint. Okay. I, I think you're doing great. I'm going to have to move on here. I'm going way too long with our calls, but Hey, you know, I care about these folks. I hope you guys understand that. And now we're going to go from Australia to Canada, one of my other favorite countries in the, in the world, to Shannon. Shannon, how are you today?
4: Oh, I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: I am rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend?
4: Um, Molly has been left about a year and a half ago for another woman. Um, hmm. We had tried to work on it last year, but he went back to her. Now, for the past month and a half, he has kind of changed back to the way he used to be, but becoming a better version. He sees what he's done is wrong. We have had hard conversations, which he's initiated, and um, I see that bricks coming down. He confides in me about his affair partner, which is very hard to listen. Can I open up to him about these hard conversations or just wait till he initiates them?
1: Now, obviously, it's a judgment call, Shannon. First of all, let me tell you how strong you are. The fact that he has talked about her and that you have listened and, and, and not come back with the hard things on your own indicates an amazing amount of strength in you, young lady. And uh, there's a story I tell in in our intensive workshop, weekend workshop where I talk about a couple and I'm, I'm just going to get the gist of the story here, uh, which basically she was able to do that. She was able to listen to him. And he, when he was talking about the other woman and over a period of time, he finally called me and he said, I'm confused because the, the person who's becoming my best friend is my wife. I can talk to her about anything and, and she listens and she tries to understand me. Now, I was kind of helping to wife through that whole thing, and I knew how tough it was for her, but she was doing that, and boy, that sounds like it's the very same thing you're doing, and that's powerful. What hard things do you want to bring up right now, Shannon?
4: Um, He's told me, they live across the street from each other. Um, He's told me that things have not been going well, even before COVID. He spends a lot of time alone thinking. He can't get past his guilt. He has... We've been married for 31 years, and he has never done anything like this before. I think he wants to work on the marriage, but he's afraid that the marriage will back to the way it was, whatever way that was. Mm -hmm. I think he was just running and ran into another woman's arms. Um, He says he's going to break it off with her. In person, he wants to do it, not over the phone. But because of COVID, she won't allow him in the apartment. And he Mm -hmm. has stuff there that he wants to get. Mm -hmm. This stuff isn't, I asked him about if the stuff was important. And he said, not so much important, but it's more pride. It's his stuff. He wants it and then he can burn it. Um, Should I ask him if he's going to do it? Like, I think six feet apart, you can do it end it face to face, but she could be prolonging it because she doesn't want to break it off. I don't know. Is it just assumptions? Mm -hmm. Um, I just, he says I'm supposed to trust him. I don't know if he knows those words are very hard (laughs) (laughs) considering all what has been done for the past year and a half. And I really don't think the person who he was, he became so different. I don't even realize how many lies he told. I think mm-hmm. for him, it's just a complete blur.
2: I'm sure it
1: is. Now
4: he's starting to come around, and my mm-hmm. son, who's had no contact with him at all, has actually reached out to him. Good. So he sees stuff kind of working. How, do I, how is he going to get past the guilt if he's still... I don't know if they're in a relationship, what it is.
1: They There's don't talk. They in argue clothes. every day. And getting past guilt. Is he a religious man by any chance?
4: You know what? He was very religious, him and I both. I still mm-hmm. am. But he became, when he became this different person, he kind of lost his faith. And his mom mm-hmm. died two years ago. And that mm-hmm. was about the time where he kind of went yeah. off the deep end. And yeah. I think his faith is slowly coming back. I don't know.
1: Well, I went through much a similar thing when I left Alice all those years ago. We were divorced for three years, and I gave up my faith and gave up everything else in my life that was pretty significant and holy to me, not just religious things, but things that were important to me. And so I relate a lot to what he's doing, how he's thinking. And so my suggestions then would be this, or these, I should say, because I'm giving to more than one, and that would be this, Shannon. Number one, whenever he's willing to open up and talk to you like that, if you can still handle it, I know it's hard. I know it's tough, but if you can still do that, that's a really big, good thing. Secondly, if you want to talk about things, I would recommend that you do it with questions and maybe even preface, you know, you want to wait till you're having a conversation where you feel like he's being open and honest and transparent and you are as well. In other words, a calm conversation, not an emotional one. And then you can say uh-huh. something like, would it be okay if I ask you a few questions, and if he says yes, then say, and by the way, if I ask a question that uh, causes you some discomfort, just tell me and we'll talk about something else. In other words, you're giving him kind of a, a safety line or a safety rope. You understand where you can back out if it begins to be too tough to him for him. And then you can ask questions again and, and uh, just make sure that when you ask them, and by the way, I'm pretty sure that this is who you are anyway, but make sure that when you ask them, they don't sound like questions that are accusatory, but they're questions where you really are trying to understand, but through the right questions asked gently, you can actually help him come to realize that it's not a good idea for you to go back over there and get that stuff. Now, if you tell him that, He's just going to defend himself and argue. But if you were to say things like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, have you thought through how that's going to be to your benefit? And when he had talked about that, he you say, have you thought about any ways that might be a, a not to your benefit? And if you're having a real conversation, you can't ask these things if something else is going on. And remember, the tone of voice is everything. If he hears, have you thought about what's going to happen if you go over there? then he's going to react in a totally different way. But that doesn't sound like you, the way you do things, Shannon. You sound like a very calm, logical, rational, reasonable person. Am I right? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your it's honesty. Been a while. <laughs> and so I think that's how you bring up the hard things from your standpoint. Ask permission make sure that it's in the conversation, the right conversation to begin with ask permission and then do it gently and start mostly with questions. And at some point, if he were to say something, you don't have to have all questions, but just start with questions. If he says, well, I think one negative benefit would be that she might try to somehow renegotiate or, you know, start this thing all over again. And then you can ask another question like, well, how would you feel about that? And, and, and somewhere along the line, rather than the questions you get to make comments like, um, okay, if it were I, those things wouldn't be that important to me. But but you need to understand, you need to hear him first, because why it's important to him may have more to do with ego than practicality. And if it has more to do with ego, like I'm, I'm going to you know, put my foot down, I'm going to be a man, I'm going to stand up. If you were to say to him in that situation, if he said that, and you said, well, if it were I, they wouldn't be that important to me. You just negated what he just told you. So it's always make sure that your comments are understanding first what he just said. like If he said, well, I just got to be a man to stand up, I certainly wouldn't say, well, that's not how real men do it. (laughs) Or, well, women are smarter or I'm smarter. I would just say, wow, help me understand how that's important to you. And so the questions, but then occasionally comments, and that's how you bring them back up. And if you see them getting uncomfortable, you just back off a little bit. And that's the way, and by the way, this is much more of an art than it is a science, okay? You're not going to do it perfectly. If you do, you may, but I don't do it perfectly. It's kind of hard to do that, but it sounds to me, it really sounds to me, Shannon, like things are going the best way for you right now, and I'm, I'm very happy with how you're handling this. I'm impressed with you, young lady. And so now we're going to go over to the great state of Texas right here in the United States of America. We're going to talk to Wendy. Hi, Wendy. How are you today?
5: Hi, Dr. Beam. I am so honored to be able to speak with you live. I have listened to so many of your podcasts, so this is an honor.
1: Well, you're sweet. Thank you so much. How may I help you, my friend?
5: um okay well let me give you just a little bit of my background um i've been practicing it because i have a tendency to talk too much so
1: (laughs) same here (laughs) let me try try to
5: give it to you as 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 little as possible (laughs) um so me and my husband um we've been married for 16 years and we have two boys um we've been separated about nine months he moved out in august of last year um i did not know and i found out about the affair in december and the way I found out was the other woman called me. Apparently they were having some problems and she was threatening him. And so she basically said, I'm going to tell your wife if you don't fall for divorce. He didn't want to. So she called me. Long story short, um, after I found out, as most people have gone through this, I went through a state of depression and grief and I did all the wrong things. Uh, the first week after I found out, my husband did try to be remorseful. Um, it lasted about a week, though. Um and from December until De- until January, for about a month, I did everything wrong. Pushed him away. I became paranoid because he wasn't ready to be transparent with me. The trust mm-hmm. was broken, et cetera. We saw our marriage counselor one time, one time, and she told my husband, "If you are not willing to give Wendy 100% and be 100% transparent with her, you need to file for divorce." Okay, and he believed him oh, yeah. exactly. So. He looked at me that night, that very night, and said, "I think we need to get a divorce because I'm not I'm not willing to give you 100%. It broke me down. Um, I went into my darkest state for a few weeks. And that's when I found Marriage Helper and by the grace of God and as well well with my support system, I got myself off the ground and I decided, okay, I needed to heal. I needed to be better, focus on myself, and I was going to try and fight for my marriage. So that was in January. And now here we are in May and things have changed drastically. Um, He has completely come around. He Hmm. um, used to just come around, pick up the kids from school. Now he's here 50 to 75% of the week. Um, he used to, you know, come over and spend the night and sleep on the couch. Now he sleeps with me in our bed. But there has been no physical intimacy, no kissing, nothing. All he does is hug. No
1: hugging, no touching of any kind.
5: Not, just hugging. He, he, he doesn't touch me. Um, but things have been great. Like It's like we've found a newfound friendship. When he's here, we cook together, we clean together, we're doing family things. He's, we start talking Good. about our future with the house. So things are great. So I was naive enough. To think, okay, the other woman must be gone, maybe he's mourning, no. that's why he's not, you know, trying anything. Well, i was mm-hmm. wrong. Last month in, um, in April, the other woman attempted to reach out to me again. Now, mind you, I have not talked to her since December, and I blocked her number, and then I unblocked it because during my darkest nights, I didn't want to accidentally text her, you know, because I was in such a depression. She reached out to me in April. Oh, gosh. And it turned into what he said, she said. Um, It basically comes down to my husband saying that she's manipulating him and he feels responsible for her. Basically, what's happening is she was a very strong and independent woman. And then now that this has happened, she's called him crying. Um, She's blamed him that her daughter has been upset and he 's apparently gone and spent time with her, and he says that the reason why he hasn 't been able to give me a hundred percent is because he knew he still had that hanging around and I so has when we had that discussion over
1: his lifetime been a man that tends to feel very responsible for people and things
5: yes he i he 's very he's a He's of people, pleaser that was one of the reasons why our marriage went the way it did is because he couldn 't tell me no he didn 't know how to mm-hmm. tell me no for a lot of the things, and I became very controlling. And, um, okay. it was hard for him and he started to build up resentment over that.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And so when he got involved with this woman, um, they started a friendship. She was an old friend from high school and from what mm-hmm. I've seen, they had a very strong emotional connection. So okay. now so dealing with her now, today. so that was a month ago. Um, I, I can tell he's in the Valley because when he's here with us, which I, you know, some, most of the time, It's everything's going great. Um, But ever since that happened, when that woman reached out to me, nothing has changed. He's basically just said, you know, I need to deal with it. I need to handle it. But Mm -hmm. he hasn't brought her up and neither have I. We haven't had the discussion about that, you know, the text message. A few Mm -hmm. days after she texted me, she attempted to reach out to me again. And she used a different phone number this time. So apparently there's some type of drama going on between the two. And I've been trying to focus on me. Exactly. And so um, mm-hmm. he even told me, maybe you need to file a restraining order against her. And I said, I'm not going to that okay. extent. Um, so, so
1: I'm going to help you today. What can I do for you so right he's now?
5: In, my question is, okay, I I listened to one of your podcasts on limerence, and you mentioned that when most men get out of an affair, they have a tendency to feel um, responsible for the other woman.
4: Mm-hmm. So
5: my question is, help me understand if he knows that this other woman is bad for him, help me understand what it's going to take for him to finally cut things off with her. Cause he's obviously here with us and he's spending time with us and mm-hmm. it's making me, I'm having a hard time because obviously she's toxic. She's doing all these, you know, push, push, push things. Mm-hmm. And he still has one foot in here with us, but you can tell he still has one foot in with her. You know, when he's here, his notifications mm-hmm. on his phone is turned off, everything, you know, so I can tell he's not 100% here. Right. And then I also was curious, and I, you may not have an answer to this, but is there, based on your experience, a time frame of how long someone can be in the valley before they finally wake up and realize, no, I want to be on this side, not on this side, or not in the middle?
1: You know, I don't have a time frame for you on that. It's so it's so individualistic. Right. But but here's right. what I'm hearing you say. Okay. Okay. The, the fact that you said that you've been controlling in the past, okay? Mm-hmm. And he reacted badly to that. And now you're describing her being very controlling in the present. And, and it appears he's actually reacting negatively to that. Well, what does that mean? He's been moving away from her emotionally because of the fact that you spend most of his time at home with you and the fact that you are becoming friends, you can cook together, those kinds of things it's a pretty clear indication. Now I can't guarantee this. You know, I don't, I'm not this uh, seer with a crystal ball and can tell you everything's going on. Those people don't actually exist. I mean, they exist, but they don't really know the future. What's happening is that he's moving away from her. Now, You said he feels very responsible as a people pleaser, and she is now apparently manipulating that. And when she thinks she can manipulate that, it certainly appears that she tries to manipulate it by manipulating you. And that's why she's trying to make the contacts with you. It's not really so much about what it does to you. It's about what it does to him. And because he reacted negatively to that with you earlier in life, this is going to end. <laughs> he can't, he's not going to live with a woman like that forever. What's making him hang on for a while, this sense of responsibility. That's, I mean, again, I can't do you It's exactly right, but I'm giving you my professional opinion. I think that's what's doing. That's what's happening. He's hanging on because of that sense of responsibility. And so how long will this last? Well, I don't know, but one factor is you if you feel that he's making progress toward coming back toward you, even if it's, you know, not like a massive, major, rapid process, but it definitely is process and progress. And so like every day, every week, something, you feel he's coming closer to you. You're being more open with each other. You're sharing more things, et cetera. He He starts cuddling you when you sleep. I mean, all kinds of little signs, all of those indicate that he's moving away from her because he reacted negatively to your, as you phrased it, being controlling in the past, be very, very careful not to be controlling now. The last thing you want them to have is to be at least between two controlling women because then it's like, what the heck am I going to do now? You want it to be where she is manipulating and controlling. You know, that's what she's doing, apparently, where you're understanding, gentle, and accepting. At, at whatever point you decide you don't want to do that anymore, you can end it. You can actually put down your foot and say, Okay, unless you end it with her immediately and make these commitments to me, you're out of here and this thing is over. You can do that if you wish. But my prediction, at least based on what you're describing now, is if you do, you pretty well end this marriage. It sounds to me like you had a good man that went nuts for a while who's coming back to being the good man he was. And if indeed that's the case... If you can be understanding and accepting, and I know it hurts, but if you can do that for a while, I don't think it's going to be like another year or anything like that, Wendy. I just can't give you a time frame, but it sounds to me like you're doing the amazingly right things, and she's doing the amazingly wrong, good, uh, wrong things, and that actually makes me happy <laughs> because that <laughs> means he's not going to put up with her for long. At some point, he's going to that's that's it. I can't do that no matter how responsible he feels. And, and as you said, she's using guilt against him. Guilt is a, a relatively short-term motivator. It doesn't last forever. People just get to where they finally throw the guilt off. Did any of that make any sense to you, my friend?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I guess I kind of already knew those things because I have been practicing smart contact, and yeah. I have been allowing him to be a safe place. Um, okay. when he, when that whole thing happened, I felt like it was a blessing because I was able to show him that I can be understanding and we had a nice talk about it. And he was even worried that I was going to blow up at him and I, and I didn't, it's just, it's just difficult coming from a woman's standpoint you know, seeing this Hi, happen. And it's like, when are you going to wake up and see? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you be patient, my friend, be patient, because I'm, I'm impressed with you, Wendy. I think you're doing the right things. You just keep doing those right things and be as patient as you can, my friend. And then we're going to go to the great state of Pennsylvania right here in the USA and talk to Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you today? <clears throat> Hi, Dr. Joe. How are you doing? I am rocking and bopping, my friend. And may I help you?
0: Well, it's kind of funny. I'm originally from Canada, so I've been living down here in Pennsylvania for about 14 years. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my wife had been married. We've been married together for 14 years. We have four kids together. Uh, long story short, I found out back in November that she was having an affair with a coworker. My wife mm-hmm. is 40, co-worker is 23. Uh, wow. it, had been going on for, it had been going on for a year and a half. There was a lot of red flags. You know, there was so many things, like we weren't intimate. You know, there was hardly any communication. So Mm -hmm. how I found out was I hacked into her phone one night and found all these text messages, everything. I mean, intimate, everything. So it literally just erupted inside of me. I was so furious. And the way I confronted her, I was angry. Uh you know, a few days later, I even told the kids about what was going on. Cause this guy had been to my house many times. He had been mm-hmm. there for Thanksgiving and these two took a trip together. Um, you know, she told me she was going to be in Washington when she actually took the guy to Boston and they went on a trip together. So mm-hmm. everything erupted. I acted very terrible. Um, in, I even confronted them in a restaurant together. Mm-hmm. uh, Again, long story short, I eventually got her evicted out of the house. I just couldn't take it anymore that she was still seeing this guy. Guy's out of the country now. He's from the Middle East. So he's gone. He he left in early January after graduating from school. So I got her evicted. She retaliated. Got custody of the kids. So we, last month, sold our house. And so she lives with the kids in another area. Uh, still in the same mm-hmm. vicinity. So my whole thing is, so I acted very terrible. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that she pretty much hates me, but we're both of the Catholic faith, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to change myself. I'm trying to renew myself, if you will. Um, I found out that she has been studying Islam. She has she mm-hmm. an uh, English translation of the Quran. I know that she's mm-hmm. learning Arabic, so she's kind of in a different world, if you will. And I've been praying mm-hmm. for her and everything, you know, and, you know, trying to of myself at the same time. So my thing is this, I really would like to get her to the physical workshop, a three-day workshop in Tennessee at some point coming up in the future. Now she filed for a divorce back in December. So she's mm-hmm. pretty much done in her mind. She is absolutely done. She has basically mm-hmm. said our marriage for 13 years was just misery for her, you know, other than a few years. So I'm wondering short of, you know, basically saying, Hey, you know, I'll file I'll sign the divorce papers if if, if you attend this. I, I basically want to come at it as, you know, trying to co parent, you know, and not so much throw mm-hmm. it as in like this is a marriage thing to try to save the marriage because she doesn't want to save the marriage, but I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how, how can I go about this? So I, I started the marriage program, the marriage helper program, but you know, I've mm-hmm. I had so much anger and resentment towards her and this guy you know, that I'm trying to let go and try to forgive, but
1: it's been such a Mm -hmm. big hurdle. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, you're very, very deeply hurt, and I get that. And because of the fact that your Catholic faith faith is important to you, I can see how that it really worries you that she's looking at another faith or studying a different faith. There are all kinds of hurts that you described there, Dan, and and I'm so very sorry for the pain. A couple of things, if I may. You mentioned you want to get her to come to the in-person workshop here in Tennessee. Uh, until such time as we are allowed to do those again, we don't know when those are going to occur. I mean, you understand in the state of Tennessee, there are social distancing rules and all those kinds of things. There are rules about how many people can be in a building at the same time, how far apart they have to be. And, and those in-person workshops were averaging about, 25, averaging about 25 couples, plus all of our crew which is far above the limit of what's being allowed right now in Tennessee of people being in close proximity to each other. So I don't know. I really don't know when we can do those again. We will. And and, uh, we don't want to put anybody in danger, obviously, but we will do those uh, just as soon as we get a chance. I hope that you hear me that it really is true that, um, our online workshop is just as effective. Now, I didn't think it was going to be. I fought against it. But if you can't come here and you don't want to wait months and months because it sounds to me like time in your particular situation is working against you. And so I would recommend that, okay, be careful there. You might want to go ahead and come to the online version if she would agree to do that. Now, if you say, well, I I want to mention to her that it helps us in parenting, the answer is yes. But what we have discovered is if that's emphasized too much, and it's not made clear that in actuality it is a marriage workshop that teaches a great number of principles that are directly applicable to parenting, and therefore it really will help us as parents to parent our children. But, but that's not made clear. If they think it's basically a parenting workshop and they come in with that opinion because that's what they heard from their spouses – understand that things go south really quick. We've had them get up and walk out and refuse to come back in. You lied to me about what this was. So while there are parenting skills that I discuss in the workshop, because we'll talk about a marriage principle and say, no, by the way, how does this work for kids? I don't do it with every point. In other words, once I get it started where they can think like that, it's like, I'm not going to stop and explain this in every point, but I hope you can see how this applies to parenting. But it's a marriage workshop. And one other thing you might want to consider, and that's this, the, uh, the solo workshop. If she refuses to come with you, coming through the solo workshop, um, which means you come through the online workshop by yourself, and there'll be other men and women in the solo spouse workshop, meaning that their, their spouses won't be there. We go through pretty much all of the same material and it becomes extremely helpful in knowing what to do next, how to act, and so those kinds of things. And then I'm not sure it's, but it's just it's it's varies a little bit more if then the spouse will come to, with uh, you to the workshop. So it's like a, a small price. I don't remember what it is. I'm not in charge of those things, but like maybe 500 bucks or something. That that uh, you know that's the the difference between if you want to come back again with your spouse because uh, uh, we don't charge you the full price of the thing. Again, it's just a little bit more for your spouse to come back. Okay. And again, I'm telling you numbers. I don't even know right here, but I would strongly recommend that you consider the solo spouse workshop. And again, if you call our toll free number, which is eight, six, six, nine, zero, three, zero, nine, nine, zero, they'll get a, a, nobody's working in the office right now because of COVID-19 but they'll, that'll be distributed out through our client representatives and one of them, either he or she will call you back. They'll help you understand more about that for anybody who is interested in that solo workshop. This weekend, I've got a workshop with the couples. It's almost full. I think there's one couple slot left, I think. And then the next weekend for solos, there are a few left in that one right now and we're doing these things very, very often. So even if you can't get into one right now, well we got them. We almost every weekend, Am I about to do the fifth one in six weeks or the fifth one in seventh weeks? Something like that um, in this particular Friday. And there's another question here I want to get to, and that's over here in Utah to talk to Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you today?
6: Hi, Dr. Beam, I'm doing well.
1: How are you? Rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend?
6: Yeah, so um, you guys have actually done a case study on me and my husband. And so we were the couple that were in the open marriage um, that you did a case study on and now trying to come back together and repair. So we're in reconciliation. Um, My husband's been home for almost two months now after a year-long separation, and we're almost two years into the long-term consequences of making the mistake of opening our marriage. And so um, we're doing better day by day, but I still have days where the constant fear sinks in and I really struggle um, I'm also slowly overcoming the fear of him leaving again, but I still have a hard time getting past the relationship with the other woman and that he was deeply in love with somebody else. Um that's been probably hard for me to get over mentally and that's been a block for me as well. Um, I'm noticing that some days are harder for me now in reconciliation than when I was standing and I keep questioning why he came back, if he was so in love with somebody else, um and if he's gonna leave again. And so what if that happens again? Um, You know, how do you get past the consistent fear and insecurity of um, the past during reconciliation? And rebuild that foundation. Um, I'm also also finding out now that, um, well, while we were separated, I also became very close with a neighbor um, and developed really deep feelings for him. And so, unfortunately, since my husband has come back, my feelings for my neighbor have increased. And now I'm struggling having second thoughts and wondering if I made the right decision to stand for my marriage for the last year. Um, I'm also having a hard time disconnecting from my neighbor and the temptation is starting to become constant and a lot stronger. Um, I also can't stop thinking about my neighbor and, um, the what if scenario with him and if it could have been a better relationship with him than trying to put my marriage back together. So, um, I guess overall reconciliation has been highs and lows and I'm definitely not getting my needs met with my husband. Um, being overwhelmed with work coming off of his medication and just none of my needs are being met, um. So I guess my question is, you know, how do I start breaking down those walls, finding the connection with my husband again, trust again, um, and not have to wonder if, you know, he'll be thinking about the what-if scenario with the other woman or if I'll be thinking about the what-if scenario with my neighbor. Um, And essentially I kind of feel like I'm the one who's starting to kind of stray now during reconciliation where, you know, my husband's back and we're working through everything, Um, but I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to stray. Um, Mm and a hard time reconnecting, so I guess yeah, this I is one during that yeah. um, mm-hmm. reconciliation. See, reconciliation
1: reconciliation is not really an act; it's a process, and many people tend to think it's an act. Okay, we we made a decision; we moved back in together, so we're reconciling. And when we think of reconciliation and talk about reconciliation, we're not thinking of that way at all. That reconciliation is a process. As a matter of fact, um, I committed to Kimberly, our CEO, yesterday that, well, have it ready for June June 1st, and if I don't, you guys won't be hearing much from me anymore because she's going to kill me. But I I committed to her that we would have a reconciliation program course available for people, hopefully by June 1st. And and it has actually five steps in it, and true reconciliation doesn't start happening until the fourth of those fifth steps. Now, I can't give too much information about it right now, but I'm just going to say Sean, what I'll do is that when this thing's available, and it should be available on my first June, uh, if you will uh, leave your, I'd say I'm going to jot down your number here. uh, I will have them give you one, they give you that course, my gift. Okay. And in it, you're going to find out that a lot of the things that you're experiencing, a lot of the things that you're feeling are pretty normal. And that it doesn't mean that a reconciliation can't happen. It doesn't mean that reconciliation shouldn't happen. It just means that it's a process that, as I often say, is not diving into the deep end of the pool. It's wading in from the shallow end. And that when you wade in from that shallow end, it's like three steps forward, two steps back, two over to the side, one to the other side. It's a process. And so having these second thoughts, okay, that's extremely normal. The fact that you have now uh, involved emotional connection with your neighbor does make it more complicated. I mean, I I wouldn't lie to you. I never lie to people. That does make it more complicated, but it doesn't mean that the reconciliation cannot take place or that the marriage can't be good again because it actually can. To understand your hurt, you know, he was involved with somebody else. I understand you're, you're now doubt. Well, you know, I've got strong feelings about this other person and began to think about him and, and all these other things going in it. And, and it's easy to look at it and go, it's easier, I think, to look at it and go, well, there's no hope. Let's just bail out of this. Let's just go do something else. But, but there's always a risk. There's a risk in every relationship. Is there a risk that you might go through a reconciliation process and he still may leave you? Sure just like there's a risk that you may leave him. But that's true of every relationship on the planet, now, whether they're reconciling or getting together for the first time. There is always a risk that a relationship is not going to work. There's always a risk that the other person may leave you. And so it's, it's even in childbirth. You hold that little baby in your arms and suckle him at your breast, and, and you have all kinds of great visions about what a wonderful life it's going to be and how much he's going to love you. And most of the time, it will work out that way. But even then there's a risk based on what kind of friends he makes as he grows up, what kind of things happen to him, et cetera, et cetera. Every relationship is a risk. And so the question becomes, am I willing to take the risk? That's why we also promote all the time. This, uh, this website, it starts with uh, pardon me. It starts with attraction.com. It starts with attraction.com. And that's where our CEO, Kimberly Holmes is doing a lot of of, a podcast and the one that went up last week was how to become more attractive emotionally. I did that one with her. So it starts with attraction.com is one of these places where you can kind of look at it and go, well, how do I understand more about what's going on in these relationships? And it starts there. Well, I wish I had time to take more questions. Unfortunately, I'm already over time. Hey, if you guys wish, and I'm serious, if you'll let us know just by writing info at marriage helper, that's marriage info at marriage If you want this program to go to an hour and a half as opposed to being just one hour, then let us know. And if enough people want that, then we'll elongate it, at least the ones that I do. I'll elongate them. And, you know, if an hour is pretty much it because you're busy, it's the middle of the day, that's fine as well. But for today, it's supposed to be an hour, and I've gone over that. So I hope life goes well for you. um, And I will hopefully talk to you next Monday beginning at 1230 Central Time.